here, new grad comes in and I'm the dentist. Yeah, yeah, I'm the, I'm the dentist. And you're like, okay. And so in front of everyone, you need to make sure you get the teeth out. <laughs> welcome back to the Dental Head Start podcast. My name's Erica Huynh, and welcome to our final episode of 2022. It's been a crazy year to say the least, full of so many milestones and achievements. And I want to take this moment just to recap and celebrate the year that's been. I began the year entering my final year of dental school, took over as general manager and the main host of the show, which is something that's still so utterly surreal to me and I'm so honoured to be a part of it. We introduced Hayden and Hugh as our new team members on the show and together we've been able to systemise the production of the show and ensure that we have episodes coming out consistently every single week. And the amount of effort and time that goes into the production of the show is something that can't be discounted. So I want to take this moment to say a big thank you to Hayden for meticulously editing every single episode, providing feedback and ensuring that it is the best that it can be. And for also championing our giving project, which I'm so incredibly proud we've been able to commit to this year. So a big, big thank you to all our sponsors who are the reason that the giving project can happen. If you follow us on social media, you'll have seen all the graphics that Hugh has so creatively produced for us this year. Hugh is my right hand man and no request is ever too much or too difficult for him and so big big thank you to Hugh. Thank you to Graham who despite taking a step back from the show has been a huge part of its growth and to Chidum who despite taking on a million other commitments has been able to continuously record episodes with us. This year we've also launched our focus series, kicking it off with our new grad focus, guest hosted by Phil, who's been an absolute gem to work with. And this is the beginning of many, many more focus series that we're going to tackle next year. So keep your eye out for practice ownership, for finance and mental health, and let us know what you want to listen to. I want to say a big thank you to David, who is the reason that the show exists in the first place, but also for being such a huge role model and whose guidance I couldn't be more grateful for. We often joke that Dental Head Start began as his little baby back in 2019 and now four years later it's a fully grown toddler running around with a mind of its own and whose care we've been so fortunate enough to be entrusted with. As of today we've had over 284,000 listens, almost half of which came from just this year alone. We've hit multiple records throughout the year with October skyrocketing with over 15,000 listens. It's an insane achievement and none of it would be possible without you. Whether you listen to us in the car or at home or at the gym, thank you for pressing play and thank you for wanting to continuously learn to learn more about dentistry, to learn more about our industry. Thank you for having that hunger for knowledge. People say you can't do things unless you love it, and that's applicable to our entire team on the podcast, but also for all of us as practitioners. We have to love what we do and be proud of our work. And so for everyone listening, beyond just being a listener of the show, thank you for everything that you do for our industry. It's been an incredible year and I'm so excited to see what next year holds. And as I embark on my journey as a new graduate dentist, I hope you're all able to follow along and learn together with me. With all that being said, let us jump into our final feature of the year with Dr. Alex Kaminsky. It goes without saying that a common trait of our industry is being high achiever and Alex is definitely one of those people. In this episode, we talk about decision paralysis, which is a concept I've noticed has been so prevalent amongst my peers as we embark on our journey as new grads. How do I decide what kind of dentist I want to be, what kind of workplace I want to be in, and the dentistry I want to perform? Do I want to specialize? Do I want to go into research? Do I want to be a practice owner? 
Or am I happy just being a general dentist? These are all decisions that can lead us feeling paralyzed. And if there was anyone that I thought could give us insight on this, it was Alex. In this episode, we talk about his journey in dentistry, from being a student with a hunger for knowledge, working at a public hospital in his first year before transitioning into private, before deciding to specialize in periodontics, all the while co-founding the General Dental Residency. This is a fascinating episode with huge insight for any new grad, and so I hope you enjoy it. But first, I'll hand it over to Hayden's Corner. It's the end of the year, and we know what that means. And before we get into what this month's giving project is, we here want to do a giving project wrapped for 2022 and look at what you've helped achieved by listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. For starters, we donated $5,000 to the Australian Dental Health Foundation in July. We then began our monthly $1,000 a month donation. We started with the Humpty Dumpty Foundation, then to the Assassin Foundation, then to the Against Malaria Foundation, and most recently in November, the Citizen Advocacy South Australia charity in honour of Dr. Trudy Lynn's charity linked from her website. This totals $9,000 of donations. We want to top off the last donation of $1,000 and reach that nice $10,000 goal. So to do this, we've decided to choose the iconic Smith Family Charity for our Christmas theme. The Smith Family do incredible work with child poverty in Australia, allowing disadvantaged young Australians to get an equal start in life. I would highly recommend checking out their website to see for yourself all the great work they do. Link, of course, is in the show notes. On their website, the Smith family do provide an outlet to sponsor a child for $55 a month, where you can help support a child financially and provide educational support. If you decide to sign up, please let us at the Dental Head Start podcast know, as we really want to start promoting a culture of giving throughout the dental community, and we would love to see the impact for good that our listeners can have on the world. And now it's time for our very own Dr. Erica Huynh and Dr. Alex Kaminsky. For those that don't know you, you are a bit of a high achiever. And so as I hear you, you're a docs of your year level when you graduated. You're currently studying um, to specialize in perio. You're the co-founder of GDR. Let's just get started. Have you always been such a go-getter and such a high achiever? I think naturally kind of growing up in, I guess, a migrant household, which I guess is a lot of Australia and in particular dentistry, I think there's like obviously a focus on education and that concept. Now, I think I was fortunate, I guess, my parents were never focused on results. It was more the focus was have you done your best? And that was kind of like, I guess, the the reward mechanisms that were built in my family household. So it was never like, you know, were you the best student or things like that, even though, you know, I guess, I guess with time, some of those things did come, but it was kind of, have you given it your all? And if you have, then, you know, we're proud of you. And I think that set me up well. I, I have a younger brother, so it's interesting kind of he's 10 years younger so we grew up I guess with those same kind of values and things but we're different personalities and so it's interesting to see how um, despite like the same household and the same principles you can have a difference and those kind of I guess that philosophy and I think academics and studying hard and wanting to improve on myself something I kind of picked up when I was in maybe a high school was that I tried to never compete with other people and I just tried to do the best that I could do. And so from that standpoint, it kind of always became, okay, how do I 
get better at something. And, you know, for some people, I think like academics may not be that pathway and there's like an interest somewhere else. For me, I get, I think I got a bit lucky there and I got a bit, I think there's also a stubbornness, especially when you get into dentistry. It's like, how, how do you even know dentistry is something that you're going to enjoy or be interested in? Or, um, and I think part of it's having this like st- stubborn belief that I've chosen this, this is because I've chosen this, this is what I'm meant to be doing and what I want to do. And then it's kind of like just in trying to enjoy the process of studying and yeah, working hard. Yeah, I find an interesting concept that I think comes up a lot of times is that uh, throughout high school, a lot of our own, if we think about like our dental cohort, right, all of us individually throughout high school would have been those high achievers who are, you know, striving for the top of the class and, you know, super nerdy, the ones that are in the library all the time. And then you get to dental school and you realize, wow, everyone's just like me. Like we're all there is high achievers. We were all of, I remember this one time um, just in first year, just being in the library with my, with my friends. And then we looked around and we're like, wow, it's our entire cohort. Like all of us are all in the library together. Why is no one else going out and having fun? And then we realized, oh wait, hang on a second. We were all the nerds in high school that you know, spent all our times in the library. And then now you know, dental school is just a congregation of all of that. So it's very interesting how, yeah, the, the, the profession kind of brings about a certain you know, personality type. Was dentistry always on your radar, Alex? That's a good question. So I think, and, you know, one of the things that you kind of brought up in conversation and a lot of who I am today, even though like, obviously we change with time and we we learn so much from experiences. um, A lot of people will say like, if they knew me when I was 16, 17, 18, that I had a lot of the same philosophies I have in life now I had back then. And, you know, again, it's, and, and part of it, when you say like, was your interest always dentistry? I really like, when I was like 17, I like, when I was thinking at that point, okay, like, what do I want to do? As you say, I was like in an academic school and, um, you know, coming from parents who are both employees and have, I guess, you know, a traditional model of what possible success looks like. Obviously, you know, the classic, you know, lawyers, accountants, medical health, that kind of sphere of things. Obviously, those things were on my radar. Um, But I was kind of like thinking back then, okay, even though I was probably more talented in maths at that point anyway, I kind of enjoyed health and I enjoyed working with people and I enjoyed that interaction. But also... Again, I think a lot of us who chose dentistry, they had some sort of like enjoyed some sort of drawing or some sort of art. And so part of it for me was like, I do want to work with my hands. And I was like, grew up with my grandpa who was kind of like an electrical engineer and kind of that classic, you know, handyman of, you know, able to make anything and do anything. And so like my summers at uni and stuff, like I'd be doing renovations with him and like my job and stuff like that. And that was always great fun but yeah so thinking back then I kind of had two thoughts in terms of where I'd go and one was medicine but within medicine I think I would have only gone down the surgery route because physicians don't really work with their hands although there are like some aspects now so I was kind of tossing okay medicine surgery or dentistry Um, and something even as a 16 17 year old I was kind of thinking um, I was fortunate. I grew up with parents who were relatively young. They were in their mid twenties when they had me. And I think it's been like such a blessing, you know, 
having parents who are you know young, active, still vibrant, young grandparents. I, I had great grandparents, so like I was just very lucky, and so kind of always inspired by that. So like in the back of my thought, I was always thinking of family, and I was thinking, okay, like I want to be a professional, but also have the flexibility of being you know, one day a dad and being like, being able to support my family, but also, you know, if my partner wants to have a career and a profession, like I want to have the flexibility in my career to be able to have both of those things happen. And one of, obviously with medicine and surgery, you're kind of tied up for like a good 15 years. And there's a lot of opportunity and options that you do lose a lot of flexibility for like 15 years. And, you know, you're whoever you're with or the situation, there's a lot of you know, the sacrifice and everything and there's hardness and everything, but there's, um, does make things a little bit more challenging from that standpoint. So even as a 17 year old guy, which I, I've come to realize is not common, um, you know, I was thinking about those things back then. And I had, I was really fortunate. I, when I was 16, had work experience with a very famous implant surgeon and uh, dental surgeon in Melbourne. And I had, that was a, like a week experience. And so I think when, when people do like work experience at a dentist and they go to their like local dentist, I guess, and they're like, okay, like this is what a, a dentist is. My, my first day, so I was, yeah, 16 probably, and they have a theater on site. <laughs> so I, they're like, okay, he was like essentially like scrub in. And so for the next five hours, I was retracting as they did a full arch all on X upper and lower. <laughs> Wow. And so you're like, this that, is that what was, dentistry is? Yeah, yeah. So that, that's exactly right. So I was like, okay, this is general practice. This is what everyone does. Um, yeah, that's crazy. And so that whole week, you know, I was with someone who does a lot of major surgery, who's obviously very passionate. I was there from like, you know, I think 7 30 in the morning till 9 p.m. most evenings. And it was just one week. I loved being part of it. Um, you know, he was very generous with his time and answering questions of, you know, Looking back, to, you know, obviously someone of that eminence having the patience for a 16-year-old and, you know, whatever basic questions. I'm not even close to dental school at that point. So that was, I think that that, that went from, I, I think I want to do dentistry to, okay, that's definitely what I want to do. And from there, it wasn't really a question. Like it even got to the point where I, I graduated in, in high school. And for those from Melbourne, I went to Melbourne High School and it's like selective entry school and managed to ducks my year and things and i actually had a scholarship a full full scholarship to do med at monash and then i had no scholarship to do dentistry in adelaide and i chose dentistry in adelaide because i even though well, on the financial side of things and you know from my, my parents and then me working later it was a lot of challenges but i think in my head i kind of knew okay you know i definitely want to do this and i think part of it is making decisions and i think like now like you, you know yourself looking at a job the next year and especially at that point i think early in, in our lives where we have good options right anyone would look on paper and be like you know alex you've, you've got two amazing options there's no wrong option really <laughs> and then you can you know you, you can write a pros and cons list obviously and that can help you make decisions and you can kind of figure out okay what do you value but i think at some point it comes to a point when you've got good options or a hard decision to make you have to kind of again th this is all just the way i've approached things is you got to pick the thing that you will regret not doing so if you don't if i at that point i'd said to myself if i don't try and do dentistry i will regret it whereas with medicine 
I didn't feel like I would regret not doing it. So sorry, I, I would, I yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like I would look back on my life and be like, ah, oh, I wish I had done Ned. Um, and so I think it's the same like with things like life options and decisions you come to, and sometimes you've got like a hard decision, and it's like which one do you pick? And I, I found that coming come back to that of okay, like what would I regret not trying right now or giving it an opportunity? And so yeah, that's that's where that's come about. Yeah, absolutely. I really like that way of thinking about things, Alex. And it's something that I mentioned to you beforehand that I really wanted to be the meat of our discussion today about just making decisions. And I really like the background story you've kind of given about how, you know, as a 16, 17 year old trying to decide, do I want to go do medicine? Do I want to do dentistry? That's probably the first big decision we have to make, right? Is just once we graduate, oh, what do we want to go into? And then the next big decision that we have to make is, well, now that we've gotten through you know, four or five years of dental school is where to from here. And as something that we've talked about on a previous episode with Dr. Cajun Chia about the same concept about life after graduation, how all throughout our life, you know, um, there's been a set curriculum how you go through primary school, you get into a high school, you do that, you, you score well, you try to get yourself into a university. Oh, look, we're in dental school. And then you try your best to you know, go through those four or five years and everything's always, there's always been a set path for you to take. And then suddenly you're, you know, you're, you're let loose into the real world and what we make of it is entirely up to us. There's no longer a set curriculum. There's no longer someone telling us, oh, this is what you have to study and this is the pathway you're meant to take. And I think for many of my peers and you know, the position I'm in right now is that that's both, both exhilarating and freeing, but also very daunting because, oh, what do I do with no guidance? And what happens if I make the wrong decision? And so something that I've noticed, and I mentioned this to you, is that a lot of my friends right now are in the position where um, looking for jobs, but not sure, oh, should I go rural? Should I go um, metro? Should I work public? Should I work private? What about this practice? But oh, that practice is offering this, or this practice has this newest technology, and that practice has a better pay, but this one has better mentorship. And it becomes this whole situation of just decision paralysis is, as you said before, they're great options. All of them are great options, but you know, how do you decide which one to take? What do you think of that? And did you experience the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've had, I've been being in a fortunate position with GDR and talking to a lot of new grads and just reflecting on it. I think, I think part of it comes from, and I, I wonder if your audience agrees, but I think a lot of us come from like, you know, families that value education, that kind of sense of this, as you say, this kind of like structured path. And I think dentistry is actually unique uh, in some ways amongst the professions. And not, not to, you know, there's a lot of amazing options and pathways out there. And, you know, some people get into dentistry and they, they move out of there and, you know, like investing, for example, or finance or other things or, um, you know, starting a business in a completely different field or associated field. And I think in dentistry, it's unique because if you look at like medicine, law, all of these things, you don't really have to make this hard, these hard decisions to the same degree because often in those positions, you know, there are graduate pathways and they're all 
kind of the same, you know, like maybe you have to move, but, you know, the income streams are all, you know, based on fair work and all these other things are pretty similar and you've got a gradual pathway. And so, you know, you're going to be, you know, earning this much and you'll get this much income and, you know, things are a lot more stable and you don't have to make hard decisions and hard decisions, I think. So this is like the good thing. And I think this is, sorry, good and bad in the sense that creates a lot of stress for people who aren't ready for it and aren't, you know, don't try and really focus on having like really good coping mechanisms and kind of talking through three and some people who are obviously a bit more susceptible that way, which is also really, really hard. But there's kind of this, I guess the good side of it is that it's actually the real world, you know, like even if you get into medicine or law or all these other things like these aspects of life you know when you have a business a family when you start having mortgages when you start having you know like realistically it's like increasing responsibility and if you are someone who's striving to have success in however you define success like those stresses even how you know i guess we feel as a new graduate going to that first job and that decision in some ways, you know, there are going to be much harder decisions and much harder things that come in your life. And and so if you can have the perspective of like, yes, it's really hard, but it's not, you know, if we look, if, if you take a step back and you think, okay, as you say, you know, I'm fortunate to be in this position. I'm fortunate to have these choices, you know, and, you know, touch wood, health is good because again, that's like, again, the most important thing in life, but you know, you, we're so privileged, you know, to have these. And if we approach it from that standpoint and realize, okay, like what's the worst case? Okay. The worst case is this job doesn't work out, you know, on this perspective of life, that's okay. You know? And if you look, if you just, I, I don't know, I, I'm very kind of big on that. Like just trying to like really reflect back on remembering, you know, for, for many of us, you know, we are very privileged and we are very fortunate and to think about, okay, what is the worst case? And, you know, if your health is okay and you make sure you're kind of having, I guess, doing the right things and not letting mistakes be repeated and you're learning from it, like the worst case isn't that bad, you know? It is decision paralysis and it is complex decisions and it is hard. But I think if you approach from the sense of, okay, this is going to grow me as a person and I'm going to really develop and learn a lot of life skills early on. And that's something I've seen, you know, compared to my peers who are doing other jobs where they don't have to make those decisions perhaps um, early in their career. And I'm sure they, they experience those challenges elsewhere in their life and at a different time point. Uh, but I find that's like, you know, it's, it's a really, it's an opportunity for growth. And the same in dentistry, you know, a lot of us move away from home you know, culture here in Australia is most people stay at home, right? And I'm sure many here who have had that opportunity, you realize, okay, I, you know, when I was 20, 19, 23, 24, whenever you moved away from home, the culture in Australia is most people stay at home. And you kind of look back at your friends there and who've stayed back where, you know, in their home base, and you can see how much growth you've made from learning to be independent, learning to look after yourself. And, and those, those, that's a great thing. It's, it's a great to be able to have that opportunity where you can learn those life skills because it's not just dentistry, it's, it's life. 
And I guess as someone who did move out when I was 21 to come study in Sydney, very much agree with that, that at the time it sounded and it seemed really daunting, but I wouldn't, I don't regret it at all. Like it's probably the best decision that I made um, just to, yeah, go out and explore. And I think a, a good saying that comes with all of this is that we learn the best when we're challenged. We learn the most when things are difficult, when you're forced to make those hard decisions as opposed to shying away from it. So, yeah, I like what you mentioned before that, yes, there may be tough decisions, but what is the worst that will come out of it is, you know, you can always walk away from it. I'll take a step back at what you mentioned about um, Dr. Cajun and kind of trying to figure out like once you're out of dental school, I would say the absolute ideal is maybe halfway through dental school, you start that process. That's like, again, something I've, I guess, always tried to think of. There are certain things you can't predict. And like GDR, for example, is something I never imagined or ever thought. I had a very traditional mindset on education. Okay. I love teaching. I loved education. So I thought, okay, I'll be like very traditional work at university and, you know, work my way through education positions there. So you can't be completely rigid, but when I looked at my life and I was thinking, I think I figured out relatively early that I, things I really value from like a career perspective was I love clinical dentistry and I've loved education. And so I've kind of always looked, okay, those are things I love. Those are things that you know, I can do and it doesn't feel like work to a certain degree. Obviously, if you're working like six days a week, 12 hours a day, no one recommends it. You will burn out <laughs> um, and, 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 and that can hurt you. So don't, there are lessons there. But to achieve and again, success is so personal. So it just really depends how you define that. But often it does require hours and practice and learning. And so finding things that you genuinely that doesn't feel like work to you, but just feels like, you know, I'm just learning and I'm, I'm, I'm growing. So I kind of identified those early on. I, I mean, I, I did a tutoring when I was in high school and was involved in education and student society and kind of ongoing there. So those are things when I looked at kind of at my career, I was like, okay, how do I fit in education? Well, if I fit in education, I, I've got to at some point reduce my clinical time because, you know, whatever capacity education fits it, there has to be time for that. And then it was kind of, okay, what are my options? So I was involved in student societies uh, kind of at uni level. Um, when I graduated, I kind of tried to get involved with um, the uni as well, teaching um, in kind of what capacity I could. And so having in mind and thinking, okay, like in five years time or 10 years time, you know, where, where, what do you see yourself doing? And do you see yourself doing five days of clinical dentistry? And sometimes it's very hard to answer that. And so it's not, it's not a question of having an answer, but it's a question of thinking through the question and thinking through, you know, family. Like that's a, a big one for a lot of people. It's like, you know, do you want to have children? Do you not want to have children? What, what does your life look like in terms of travel? Like how often are you traveling? Are you someone who wants to go overseas multiple times a year? Or are you someone who's, you know, that, that's not a value for you? Are you someone who has, you know, certain material goals, cars, houses, whatever it might be, and kind of working backwards from those things as, okay, these are my 
you know, I, I've called them as like non-negotiable life goals as like, and I, I say that because they're not usually a set thing, but it's a principle of, you know, I still want to be doing clinical dentistry. I want to have education. I want to have family. I want to have these hobbies, like whatever it is. And if you can start thinking of the, about those questions and asking yourself truly, because I think that what I've noticed is the more I've spoken to people, is that a lot of people just haven't asked that question or haven't spent enough time having a clear answer in their head. Because like, if you can't write it down, you're probably just like repeating to yourself a certain like sequence of words that, you know, you can talk for an hour on, but is it actually like a distinct, you know, goal that you can say, okay, I'm working towards this. That actually reminds me of a conversation I had with a friend a few months ago where she was also tossing up between, oh, should she take this job offer or another job offer? And she just couldn't come down to what, would be the right choice and we had the discussion about having goals and kind of deciding or actually I think her reasoning was because she said to me oh she was oh yes she'd get really great experience and mentorship and learns grow so much clinically but she'd be really away from family and friends and a home base which meant a lot for her and so then we had that discussion about perhaps it'd be important to sit down and actually define your goals and decide which one is more important which one are you going to prioritize and then whatever decision you're going to make it I think it becomes a little bit more simplified because it either falls in line with your goal or it doesn't as opposed to perhaps not having that goal set in your head then no decision makes sense because nothing aligns with any goal because there is no goal right I think one of the simplest things to define to yourself is what you just alluded to which is like where where is your limit geographically of where you're happy to move and look for a job like that's the first thing you need to do when you start looking for jobs because and it's a really simple task because if you can't define you know on on the one spectrum you you might say okay i'm happy to move anywhere within australia but then i would ask you okay would you move to a town that's like five hours in the, in the middle of western australia where there's like one regional airport and that's where people say, uh, you know, okay, I, would, I, I don't mean anywhere. I, I <laughs> and then they like retract and then I'll be like, okay, well, are you willing to move, you know, within four hours of a main airport? Uh, you know, okay. Like, so you have to really like actually define, actually answer that question to specifics. And, and, you know, for some person, it might be like legitimately anywhere and that's cool. For someone, it might be like, you know what, family means, or, you know, some people have family, some people have partners, some people have kids, you know, there's a lot of factors and they might say, okay, I can't be further than an hour and a half drive from, you know, where, where me and my husband or me and my wife are, or my grandparents or parents I need to look after because, you know, we, we all have those circumstances. So that really can help you define, you know, very quickly. Um, I, I do find that a lot of people will say, oh, like, I'm happy to move wherever. But then not, that's not usually the case. <laughs> As dentists and dental students, we all have difficult days. You may experience workplace or training demands that have a direct impact on your physical, emotional and psychological health and well-being. This is exactly what dental practitioner support is for. It's a completely confidential and independently run service that's funded by the Dental Board of Australia in an effort to support practitioners and dental students right across the country. Sometimes people call just at the end of a long day to debrief. 
but sometimes they call because there's more challenging things going on. Dental practitioner support is there for you in these times to give proactive advice, help you improve your health and well-being before there are major concerns. We all need a helping hand sometimes and it's okay to ask for help. So if you find you need it, call 1-800-377-700 or visit the website dpsupport.org.au. They have loads of great information to get you started. You were saying before how you're talking about deciding the journey that you wanted to take and you said you would half it and you're saying halfway through dental school you would start you know, thinking critically about it. Can you tell me a little bit more perhaps about your journey then throughout dental school and at what point you decided, you mentioned before that you realized education was definitely a passion of yours. You wanted to be working clinically. Obviously now you're you know, working on specializing. Was Perrier always on your minds throughout dental school as well? Was that something that you had on your horizon back then at that time as well? So we kind of talked about how I guess I, did, I chose dentistry. And I guess once you've chosen dentistry and you understand the why, it didn't become difficult for me really to make that decision between, let's say, med. And even though there was, you know, I think $70,000 or $80,000 <laughs> offered at that time versus nothing and, and doing and moving away from home. So understanding the why and for anyone kind of, I guess, um, wanting a book, I think Simon Sinek, Start With Why is a really good book I think everyone should read. But then once I got into dentistry, my journey was, I think I was much more introverted back then uh, in some senses. I actually never did really a lot of leadership roles or you know, really anything like that. So I think moving away from home, having that opportunity to kind of, I guess, find myself. I was very fortunate had like, uh, you know, shout out to Adelaide 2017, where I had such a great group of friends and a lot of us had moved away from home. So like in Adelaide, for example, 90% were interstate or international and only 10% were local. So everyone's moved away. And so everyone's trying to find a family. And so, yeah, I had such amazing friends. And first year was just, I guess, figuring out uni and having fun and enjoying that process. Um, I think working and trying to be, I was, I was trying to tutor, but I was also working at a nightclub Saturday nights. So I, like my, my first job the there introverted was, um, size, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you just, you're just trying to find a job and you're trying to find something that pays. Okay. And my, uh, I would work Saturday nights and my shift would start at 10 PM and I'd finish at 8 AM. That, that was my shift. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And then second year uni and like compared to post-grad, I guess, like third year is equivalent to second year post-grad probably in terms of like what you're doing clinically and, and things like that so third year was when we started to do more of the clinical um, aspects of things and then probably fourth year which I guess third year for post-grads is when you obviously get exposed to all the specialties and everything and I think at that point I started to feel I guess a particular interest and leaning towards i guess more surgical stuff but at the same time i, I do gen genuinely love all of dentistry peds might be a, like a, a little exception <laughs> uh, i love kids treating kids it's a common just, trend. It's, yeah it's a common trend and i'm sure endo falls but i actually loved endo and i do miss a lot of those aspects now kind of going into specialty but i think back then i was also kind of thinking okay i guess i i learned about myself that was I'm someone who 
wants to really know everything that I'm doing to a really high, I guess, standard and, and, and feel very comfortable doing things to that standard. And I just noticed that, again, maybe it was my early exposure when I was 16. Maybe it was just that in the mindset, I kind of felt like, oh, you know what? I think at that point, it was still an I think. I think, you know, specialization is something that I will be interested in. At that point, let's say third, fourth year, I was like, okay, that's a thought. And I'll touch on that just for a second. And then, and then, you know, I guess the fortunate thing in Australia is you have to work for a couple of years, right? So you don't have to make a decision at that point. I didn't have to be like, okay, next six months, I need to do everything I can to like make that happen. So I started that. And then from there, I, in my final year, I did like a two week observationship of like Perio at Melbourne. So that was my holidays for a couple of weeks. Realized I loved it. Still, still seemed like a good option. And then it didn't really influence my work choices too much. And we can touch on that as well. But then from there, I kind of like, okay, like, if I still am interested in that, because at that point, again, I didn't have to make a decision, but it was like, okay, what can I do to set myself up in a way that when that time comes, I have, you know, things in my favor. So I, I did my primaries, kind of first year uni out. Adelaide had a fortunate option that in your final two years of your dental degree, you can actually do a research honors. So in my third year, I applied for that and I got to, it was essentially a part-time research honors that you essentially did in the middle of uni slash summers or any breaks, just trying to like fill in that gap. So that was a research honors looking at just craniofacial syndromes and genetic syndromes. And I learned there that I do enjoy research, which is probably a rare thing, I think, <laughs> which is yeah. understandable because like <laughs> research is like treasure hunting, but you may treasure hunt for like years and not have any treasure at the end. Like there still might not be anything. But 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 I kind of, I, I took that and the, the, what I learned from that was like, you know what, research is something that I can do later in my career. I think, especially since I told, you know, said that clinicals are so important to me, I was like, you know, if I can continue doing some research, that's great and whatever. But research is something I, I kind of, even now look at, okay, you know, when I'm, going to slow down with the clinical side of things you know maybe if options come up at that point i start research and kind of thinking okay where does that fit in the timeline what, what else was, was your question you, you mentioned education what was the specific question there well, it was just the the question was backtracking and how you said you thought it was important to define you know perhaps halfway through when the later years of dental school is just what kind of trajectory did you want to go on and defining what was important to you and you said you know working clinically was important uh, education was important and then I asked oh was perio also on the horizons at that point as well which evidently it came to be and very much shaped your trajectory as well considering oh doing that research project and you know doing your primaries your first year out you mentioned before how it didn't really shape your first job too much in what sense do yeah. you mean by that yeah so like I, I guess I, so what I was thinking okay I was at that point I was like okay this is what I'm interested in or maybe interested in and so I guess at that point I was kind of investigating okay what, what can help me apply for specialty and like so I said research do as well as you can academically I didn't have like 
just doing the best I can. I'll be very honest, like like some of my uni grades, uh, I think you, dental schools across Australia are notorious for having not necessarily the most transparent marking rubric sometimes. But funnily enough, as we, we did more clinical, I, I tended to actually get a lot better grades as well. We... So I guess I kind of thought, okay, research will help. At that point, I was also enjoying and I started to take on leadership roles in the student society and kind of especially spent four years on the student society, ended up being president in my final year. And, and I learned so much through that, just being with people. I think I really learned that I enjoyed working with people and being in a team and group and because otherwise academics and clinical, you know, it's sometimes it's just about you. And, and self-growth as opposed to, okay, how do I work in a team? And so, yeah, that, that those things kind of came about. And then what else did I do to help? And then primaries, like, like I guess speaking to people, doing certain jobs didn't really impact, you know, whether you got into specialty or not. It was just, you know, show that you're interested. That, that was a big thing. So that's why I kind of spent time at, let's say, Melbourne Uni Perio and just trying to show that I was interested. So I feel like, okay, I did... I'm doing the right things in terms of, you know, doing, setting myself up correctly for that. And then when it came to work, I, you know, I, I think I got lucky. I'll be, I'll be really frank. I think I didn't realize at the time, probably like many, how like small dentistry is and how it's, it's, you know, relationships, it's networks, it's understanding. And also at that point, at that point, I probably made a decision that I want. I have a younger brother. We're a small family. I was like, okay, I want to move back to Melbourne. That was kind of a big thing for me. And like, you know, setting up this geography, I was like, okay, I have to be within a couple hours of Melbourne. So I was looking for a work in, in that sense. And then I think I just got fortunate that I applied for the Alfred job and was successful. And the Alfred job kind of applications are earlier on. So I, I, I mean, I think I applied to 70 jobs, but like, by the time I got that offer, I was like, okay, this this ticks all my boxes because it's, you know, I'm supported. There's great specialists that I work with. I get to develop a lot of surgical skills. I get to develop, I got to tickle that medical side of me and working in a tertiary hospital and having that kind of complex, you know, medical issues where patients had like heart transplants or lung transplants or going through head and neck cancer or radiotherapy and I, I define that experience that year as like, you know, when you like go through uni and you've got that oral surgery textbook and the pathology textbook and you're like, and, and your professor was like, you know, this will, you'll see this once in your lifetime. I had all my once's in my first year. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> you just you had just, your checklist. You're like, okay, see. Yeah. 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 I, I see. I've seen that today. Seen that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> Cause yeah, it was just, it was just a really wonderful experience. Um, and it, it, it is very different to private practice and I can't say there are certain skill sets that do translate, but I'd say a lot of skill sets don't necessarily translate to just general private practice. But, but for me, who was interested in specializing, you know, that again, it just kind of made, made sense. And then from there, I worked a couple of years in private practice in kind of Southeast Melbourne, I guess, same as everyone. I also made a mistake kind of I was, you know, I was told, you know, first year you're working, I was in public sector. It's going to be really hard to find a private job. And, you know, that transition is, you know, that, that'll set you back. And I found a job that I was working some weeknights during my Alfred job, 
towards the end of it. Cause I was like, okay, at least on my resume, there'll be some private experience. And then I kind of continued at that praxis because it was convenient, lovely boss, but it was a practice that never had had an associate. It wasn't really set up for someone to work a couple of days a week, for example. And so I spent six months trying to make it work, but it then kind of didn't go anywhere. And I kind of realized, okay, it's, you know, I've given it my best and I need to kind of keep, keep growing and keep learning. And so kind of moved on to a couple of jobs, which I had great experiences and learned a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. I want to kind of touch back a little bit on your experiences working at the Alpha Hospital. And you have to enlighten me a little bit, Alex, because obviously I'm based in New South Wales and in Sydney, we have three dental hospitals that if people were to work public, like these would be the three big dental hospitals that they work at. What's it like in Melbourne? And is it similar? And is Alfred one of those big major public dental hospitals? Great question. And I need to, yeah, I should give that background. So every state has its own system. New South Wales probably has the best, or one of the better in South Australia as well. And to a lesser extent, Tasmania. So these are centralized dental the dental industry or public dental space is much more centralized. Whereas in Victoria, it's actually every council area, local area, every public clinic is kind of part of a network of different clinics and they all have different agreements. And there's actually, apart from the dental hospital, so there's in Melbourne is the main dental hospital, which is where all the university students work through. And there's like an emergency department. They don't regularly take on new grads and they definitely don't have a new grad role there so there's actually very few hospital-based public positions in victoria so there's the alfred hospital it has a new grad position um, but it's not a dental so the alfred hospital is in victoria there's two major two major trauma centers and tertiary hospitals those are the royal melbourne and the alfred Royal Melbourne ca- covers north, northwest, and Alfred covers southeast and southeast catchment areas. There are a lot of other major hospitals, but those are the two biggest. And the Alfred has a small dental team. So it's actually, it has a plastics department, which has a maxillofacial department that does a lot of the maxillofacial work. And then the dental team is actually one full-time new grad. And then there's about four or five specialists who equate to about, I think about a full four, three, four days a week, essentially position. So very different. And this is in a tertiary hospital. So it was quite crazy as a new grad, there was a couple of days a week, especially when I was, I think now there's a few of the specialist postgrads who help out a little bit more as well. But Dr. Matt Lim, who's the special needs dentist, who's head of the unit, he's brilliant and does a really great job. But a couple of days a week, I was, I was the dentist of a major tertiary hospital and there was always support and there was always the ability to call someone, but like, sometimes, you know, you, your positions that you're like, okay, I've got a patient, they have, they need a valve replacement tomorrow. Okay. Go see them and decide what needs to be done in the next hour so that they can have their valve replacement surgery tomorrow. So there was a lot of just like, it was one of the, I guess, the most fun positions because you just got to do so much and, and see so much and worked with a dentist who did a lot of essentially re- removable pros. So my first year, I probably did, I don't know, 20 to 30 dentures, which is probably uncommon. I, I worked with an oral medicine specialist, Dr. Tammy Yap, who's 
brilliant and I was kind of seeing her patients and helping set up the things and then doing mass appliances and helping with all of that and lesions and TMD and uh, chronic facial pain. And then there's a periodontist there once a month as well. Fantastic. And so you, you got to work with a lot of different people, but you also, the, the Alfred is this quite a small team. And so then that new grad has a lot of responsibility to like do a lot. Whereas in Victoria, there's a Monash hospital, which is the team's probably double or triple even because there's orthodontists, there's a pediatric department and they do a lot of cleft lip and palate and there's a stronger maxillofacial unit. So dent, you know, whereas we had a plastics unit, so they didn't have dental background, so they didn't do anything dental. Whereas there, they actually have a maxillofacial. So still a very hard job and there's a lot there as well. But the Alpha was kind of a, a unique experience in some way because you were like the one in some ways responsible for, for the day-to-day operations of the clinic and you're a new grad and you know nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. The more you learn about orthodontics, the more you see it applying to almost every case. It might not always be necessary, but it's almost always an option. So then you think, I want to do aligners for my patients. And your challenge is to learn how to do that to a high standard. But once you've learned that, many people find that the challenge then is how do you actually make that work within your practice? How do you make this efficient and therefore profitable enough for you to be able to provide that to your patients in private practice? There's two people I think about when I think about aligners and then practice management. That's Dr. Jeff Hall and Dr. Jesse Green. And now they've come together to create Clear Aligner Excellence, their new education platform that is aiming to solve both of these problems for you in your practice, while also giving you huge discounts off the major aligner therapy companies. Over the next six years, aligner therapy is forecast to increase by 28%. This is a huge opportunity. Take it with both hands, clearex.com.au. I, I wanted to ask about that because that's so different from, I think if you asked anyone based in Sydney, just, oh, working um, at a public hospital, what the experience would be like, because I would have imagined a new grad experience working, for example, at the Sydney Dental Hospital or at Westmead or Nepean, where you're in a hospital full of other dentists. Clearly, it was very different to you because you weren't doing your scales and cleans and fillings, but rather seeing really medically complex patients. Were the patients that you were seeing in patients or were people coming in? Yeah, for good question. So, as well? there's it's combination. So, we have it's an outpatient clinic um, with inpatient services. So, we had patients. Most of them are hospital-based patients, so they, they're on a transplant wait list. They're not necessarily in hospital, but they, they have like a set of checks and clearances that they need to go through, and just one of them is dental. Um, and so you're seeing a lot of patients for that. Um, then you have patients who are inpatients who are in the hospital for another reason. They could be in the ICU, intubated, Maybe they have active tuberculosis and they're isolated, but they've got dental pain. And so now, okay, go go figure out, <laughs> you know, what their dental pain is and, and try and treat them or help them. Or, you know, if they're neutropenic and they're bleeding and um, Alfred was also is a hemophilia center. So anyone with abnormal bleeding disorders in Victoria came to the Alfred. So we had a lot of patients who, you know, it's interesting. It's like patients that you could, 
in dentistry, we always talk about how like, you know, the worst that can happen is a tooth, you know, a tooth needs to be taken out. Or this is like a setting where like the worst that can happen is, you know, someone can become uh, septic or, you know, start bleeding to the point where they genuinely will not stop bleeding. And so the, the, the intensity of some decisions is higher. So the role involved, and, and there was also tr- maybe 10% was trauma. So patients through motor vehicle accident, motorbike accident, um, sometimes just dental trauma. Sometimes it's part of maxillofacial trauma, but because they're not maxillofacial or dental background, they'll plate the jaw, but then I'll manage the teeth and do what's needed from the dental side of things. Um, Sometimes, you know, it's a cancer patient and it's an ENT plastics procedure where they're doing, you know, neck dissections, tongue, and again, they need some teeth taken out. So you're in this team and again, you're, you're a new grad and there's these consultants and, you know, an ENT, there'll be a consultant, the registrar, resident, plastics. And here, new grad comes in and... I'm the dentist. Yeah, yeah, I'm the, I'm the dentist. And you're like, okay. And so in front of everyone, you need to make sure you get the teeth out and, you know, scrub in. And so it was a combination of our patients and patients that you needed extractions, I did a lot of restorations. I did a lot of endo, a lot of denture work as well. So it wasn't just acute uh, management. Um, It was kind of acute management plus whatever you could fit in and try and help patients with. Uh, And then you you try to utilize either if the patient already had a general dentist who could help do some of the work that needed to be done or if there's a community center nearby that you would write a letter to kind of get that support. So that was kind of like the the day-to-day or week-to-week, yeah. What a unique experience. And I imagine it's very different from then, you know, you going into private where you have that long-term continuous care where you're seeing patients, you know, continuously and carrying through an entire treatment plan. Just the comment I wanted to make about you retelling all these stories of your your time as a junior doctor. <laughs> At the Alfred Hospital, essentially, is recently I've been listening to the audio book for uh, This Is Going to Hurt by Adam Kay. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's essentially just a memoir of his days as a junior doctor and just recounting all the crazy experiences. And something he said early on in the book is how, you know, when he first graduated, he's like, I'm a doctor now. I get to do all the cool things. But throughout the day, he's just following around with a clipboard, filling out medical histories. But then when he's on night, like Judy and on call, he's the one junior doctor who's just an intern, but looking after an entire department of everyone with the most complex medical histories. And his beeper is just going off <laughs> every yeah, two yeah. seconds. I, 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 I find, I, I, I it say very fondly. much sounds like your situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I definitely, it was, look, it was a privilege. And I think patients were so appreciative and there were patients that were ongoing patients who had let's say osteonecrosis of the jaw or part of complex implant rehabilitations or other things so you do get to kind of see but yeah having that continual care private's a whole different ball game and then yeah that pager oh man that you were like you were you know because yeah you were on call but you know it was like six o'clock and you were like about to go and then someone pages you you know someone's come in and you know, ICU, they're septic, we're thinking dental source. Can you like, please go and investigate? So it was a lot of like, um, yeah, stories, logistics. Again, I, I say that and it was a very supportive environment because, you know, you, you could always pick up the phone, call someone and, and get 
an answer to a question you weren't sure about. And but it did it did teach about just like being super organized because you you maybe had eight patients scheduled with you that day. And then depending on the day, you might get one call on your pager or you might get like six or seven calls. And often the pager ones you'd have to see usually that day. And so all of a sudden, you know, if you're not organized, you might be there till like 9, 10 p.m. But you have to like start really like thinking, okay, like when can I go see that person? Do I need radiographic or diagnostic imaging first? Let's get that organized. But it was great. It was a really great experience. Yeah, what a unique and yeah, very much I assume a very formative part of your career. So Alex, then fast forwarding it then, alongside this, you decided to do a few days in private. You said you didn't quite feel like you made the right decision with the first practice, but that's okay. You live and you learn and you moved on to another one and learn some more then. When about did you then decide, okay, it was time to you know go into specializing then? And I do want to come back to GDR, but I want to kind of wrap up, you know, you going into Perrier. I think, look, probably by the end of that Alfred year, I guess working with a lot of specialists, that probably at that point in my head, I was like, you know what, I think I still, I think still part of me was like, I want to experience private general dentistry and I want to experience what the scope is there because the scope in private general practice is so so much broader than what you can do in a hospital setting and you know having that relationship with patients and so I was like I don't want to fully make that decision but I was pretty close to at that point and then I was thinking okay so I kind of had already done my research I did my primaries that Alfred year so I had already done all the things that I needed to do and really it was just a matter of do I apply next year or do I apply the year after or whatever it was. So I was like, okay, let's work for a year private and just kind of stay in touch with the Perio schools that I develop relationships with and then, yeah, just go from there. And so I was like, okay, I've already done those things. There's not much more I can do in, in the next year or two anyway. And so I was like, okay, so let's find a job. And so, yeah, I kind of found a job and probably – Probably, probably took me 12 to 18 months of working in private general and I was in great places where there was a lot of scope and I worked with you know great hygienists so I got to do a lot of clinical dentistry I think some people don't realize when you're doing a lot of your own hygiene like if you think about there's a lot there's pros and cons and there's benefit to doing that it's a great way to build relationship with patients and a lot of that as well but if you think about it, you have one year and if you're doing a lot of your own hygiene, that can take up half your books, for example. And so you've actually got half a book to learn the skills of composite, of crowns, of endo, of all these other things. And for some, in another clinic, maybe there's a, you know, a quarter of your books is your hygiene patients. And like I said, there's pros and cons because there's benefits to that of growing your books and starting slow and not having pressure of new patient exams where the patient isn't in the clinic system and you know you know they're, they're making a decision based on you right then and there whether or not they stay at that clinic at all but I did have some it just happened that my experience was like that so I did a lot of I think I did a lot of clinical dentistry in those two years um, and perhaps I, I worked a little bit too much it's probably doing five or six days at that point I don't recommend to anyone unless it's really short term and there's a clear goal there uh, but it just happened because I was at two clinics and 
at that point, actually, I was doing half a day a week teaching at Melbourne Uni. So I was kind of maintaining that, I guess. And that's kind of when GDR started to come about a little bit as well. But so yeah, anyway, I, I did another year and a half in general practice. And as much as I enjoyed everything, I I think it was more just, I kind of realized, okay, again, I was like, will I be happy? Could I see a pathway in general practice in the next five, 10 years where I think it like aligns with where what I want to be doing like clinically and things like that. And, you know, I was saying about education and research and, you know, if I was going to be maybe in the long term only doing three days of clinical or whatever it is, I was like, I want to really only be doing what I really love to do. Um, And so I was like, okay. So at that point I was like, okay. And then at that point you realize when you're specializing, unless you've got, financial commitments or other life factors or whatever it is or you you haven't made this choice it's definitely not something to do lighthearted. you know you're back to three years full-time study levels more complex challenging time intensive than dental school ever was um there's you're not getting especially well new south wales maybe there's uh, there's a few more incentives there so but in victoria you're not getting paid so there's there's a financial aspect of it and um, you really have to make a decision if you're supporting people or have a family or these other factors. So those are serious things to consider and those are legitimate reasons why people delay for many years or it makes it, it sometimes is a choice that you can't even make um, because your circumstances doesn't allow for you to do that, which is unfortunate. Part of that is actually like I'm, I'm part of the ADA Public Health Committee as well. Um, so we're working on paying postgrads as well. So that's been a big goal of mine as well. So I, I, it's a something that's been going on for 10 years in Victorian specifically, but hopefully at some point that, that does change. But um, so I, I think at that point I kind of made that decision and, you know, I guess the opportunity came about. And so after my second year I applied and I was very fortunate to get in. And I guess at that point, you know, you're in and <laughs> there's, there's no, no getting out. It's 2022, a time where cloud-based software is enhancing every aspect of our lives. So why not leverage those same capabilities in something we use every day, our dental practice management software. Imagine a platform rethought from the ground up, intuitive and intelligent, using the possibility of today's technology for your patients and your business. A solution that optimizes our daily workflows, creating the edge that modern dentists need to stay competitive and connected. Principal practice management software is this solution. Efficient, intelligent, intuitive. Because it's 2022 and you expect better. Go to principal.dental to learn more. What is the biggest myth of specializing or of perio specifically that you feel like you didn't realize until you got yourself into it? a good question i think this is or any like preconceptions or misconceptions that people may have of it well i I think it's also like it's it's also one of those hard decisions for a lot of people it's like do i specialize do i not specialize and again if you work backwards and for me at that point it was like if i don't specialize i'm definitely going to regret it (laughs) So making yeah. that decision, will you regret yeah, yeah. Well, I regret it, and it's the mm-hmm. same thing. Like, do you or do you not? Mm-hmm. Being a general dentist and finding your areas of interest, I mean, that's amazing. You know, you've got so much opportunity for success there. It's not like 
specializing is the only option there. But it kind of aligned with a lot of my research interests and teaching interests. Anyway, so misconceptions of Perrier specifically, I think, I think Perrier gets such a bad rap, obviously in undergrad or dental school. I think, I think this is universal probably across the world, <laughs> not just Australia. Are you just cleaning Perio, teeth all day? <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly right. But I think, I think Perrier specifically yeah. has pros probably to an extent as well, but, um, Perio has a lot of breadth to it. You know, you've got from the medical side, the health impact, the diagnosis, having, you know, one of the things I love about Perio is like you, you can have a genuine health impact on someone, whether that's helping them quit smoking, whether that's getting that, you know, inflammation and inflammatory markers down for them. <clears throat> you know, again, it aligns with my values of health, as I've probably alluded to a couple of times already. But on the other spectrum is you've got, you know, periodontists who are very surgical and, you know, have, you, you know, from a surgery, you've got soft tissue surgery, which can be incredibly delicate, incredibly fine. And the kind of the aesthetics regarding that to, you know, more complex bone grafting and implants and crown lengthening. And so it's actually got this beautiful breadth of um, health and then, you know, the surgery the functionality of implants, but also aesthetics. And so it's got this, I, I personally think just like this wonderful breath, whereas a lot of the other specialties, most things, let's say orthodontics, prosthodontics, it's more aesthetically, you know, driven on the whole. Endo is probably one of the more narrow specialties. Um, you know, it's either through the tooth or surgical. You, you don't have too many more options beyond that from, from us. So from a clinical standpoint, it, it, I think it's one of the breadth. In terms of what are myths of specialty, I think a lot of people, and maybe it's just my personality, a lot of people say like three years of specialty, you know, you, you have to be willing to pack the rest of your life away for three years and specialty is everything. And to some extent, that is very true. And I think when you sign up for a specialty, you have to be ready to unfortunately drop a lot of things. But, you know, I've been very privileged. I've had a, you know, a little baby and family and GDR. And so I think, and this, again, this is my philosophy is like work life, oh, sorry, work sh should never, or career should never impact what your life goals are. And like, you know, I think it's still important like to, and uh, albeit, I wish I was doing more, but exercising and, you know, living and, and still appreciating, you, you definitely need to continue all of those things. So I think that's a bit of, I won't say it's a myth because there's definitely a lot of truth in it and you just have to make a really conscious and a lot of effort to try and have those other things. Well, speaking of balance, Alex, so here you are, you're specializing, you're still working private, you're part of the ADA Victoria, you know, coming up with new projects there. How did, in, and raising a family on top of all of that, how did in the midst of all of this, how is GDR born? Because I feel like that in itself is its own, you know, incredible, magnificent, magnificent project of its own. <laughs> And I feel like the fact that you balance that on top of all of this is just unfathomable. So how did it, how was it born? And you said you didn't even expect it at the time and it wasn't something that was ever on your horizons. Can you tell me more about it? Yeah, absolutely. I, look, like I said, education was always there. I think coming from parents, my parents, employees, again, I kind of mentioned migrants and things. I think there was never this concept of 
entrepreneurship, business, create something your own way, do it your own way. So I never kind of grew up with that in the background. So like I said, when I thought of education, I thought, okay, I'll you know, become a lecturer at some point and just work that traditional university model. And I was very lucky. I met many of you would know Dentist Dan or Daniel Marinovsky, who's also based in Melbourne, was a, I think a year younger than me in terms of clinical and being out. And kind of, I think we both spoke about education and our interest. And at that time, I think we were both like trying to figure out, and I still hadn't probably made that decision on Perio, was you realize once you get out, okay, and I was out of that Alfred model of education, okay, how do I continue learning in private practice? And how do I continue finding things that I want to learn and grow? Both of us were kind of like, oh, it's really hard because I, you know, Daniel was talking about, and he did a lot of CPD and same with me, even though I kind of was interested in Perry, I did composite courses, I did endo courses. And we kind of realized, ah, oh, I have to find this course here and this course there. And you know, then arrange your travel if you're traveling and then kind of speaking to peers. And, you know, we found that a lot of our friends are like in the same position or, you know, some people didn't have like the greatest mentors or even if you have sometimes a great mentor or a great senior clinician in your practice, no one's perfect. No one can fulfill, you know, all the capacities of mentorship that maybe you're looking for. Maybe they fulfill some of them, but not all of them. And you know, whether maybe they're perfect, but they just don't have a lot of time. And that's really, that's, that's the reality of life. And, and so anyway, we, we kind of realized that this was a common theme and a common problem. And then we're like, okay, well, what's Daniel's very creative. And so I, I give a lot of credit to him and we're kind of thinking, okay, can we come up with like a solution for that? And kind of looking at a lot of other industries, you know, medicine, you've got internships, again, professions, they all have graduate jobs. And then I was kind of looking at the US and they have a kind of these two pathways they're called advanced education dental programs, AEGD, or general practice residencies, which are actually university hospitals, where some people want to stay on. And essentially, it's like an internship where you work at a uni hospital and you get to work with specialists and supervised. And it was very similar to my Alfred experience. And so that's where GDR came from, General Dental Residency, as opposed to GPR, which was the US. GP. <laughs> yeah. And then GDR was like G Doctor. And anyway, we like <laughs> we like the acronym. So then we were like, okay, this is an issue of having like these different education pathways. And, you know, there's a great composite course over here and the great end of the course here. But can we like make a program that, you know, someone can be like, okay, I want to be a great dentist okay, if I sign up to this, I will be on that pathway 100%. And so that's what we did. We kind of found, and I think one of the beautiful things, us, if you look at a lot of education groups, um, a lot of them, the founder is the main speaker. Whereas for us, it was this opportunity of like, we are the recent grads who know what education we're looking for. Let, let's find the speakers in different fields and different expertise and, and, and create the program that has those, you know, amazing speakers. And so we've got, you know, a great speaker, Dr. Tiv, communication, and we've got Jack Yang, who's a cosmetic dentist based in Sydney, and Endo, Mark Johnson, and Proz Carolina. And so if you look at our program, we've got like seven or eight amazing specialists and um, expert dentists who've got different skills in different areas where we've been able to kind of group it together and we found general dentists who are, um, you know, agreed to mentor and support 
dentists in that group. And so um, that kind of stemmed, that was the idea 2018. And then there was probably a couple of years of different iterations and versions of this that we kind of trialed and pitched and then that didn't work. And then just before COVID we're like, okay, people need to figure out, people need to know about GDR and like our goal of bringing a community of dentists together and helping new and recent grads go over the challenges that you're having. And, you know, the mentors that sign up, they don't just help with clinical, but it's also like, you know, these complex decisions of practices and how do I manage patients and staff? And yeah, so how do we do that? And so then we started just doing, we had monthly like little in-person workshops, like evening things uh, in Melbourne and then COVID hit. (laughs) And so obviously in-person education kind of, died then but at that point we're like okay if we can't do the in-person club let's do webinars and so i think that's probably when some people started to hear about us i think we were just one of the first who had we had this eight-part series with different again different speakers on different topics and i think we just got organized quickly and we had a few hundred people every tuesday for like two months kind of tune in and watch that webinar and then kind of a few months later, we kind of launched the program for 2021 as kind of that first cohort. And when, you know, I think very looking, looking back, very privileged. I think all of us in Victoria specifically were like, okay, we're getting out of COVID after this year. <laughs> you know, 2021 will be fine. And we had people that came on board with us and we managed to get through and we got a bit lucky in terms of dates and lockdowns and all, all the fun stuff that came with that. And yeah, and so this year we've had two cohorts so one starting in February and one July, and we're kind of aiming for three next year. And so, you know, anyone who's interested that wants to find out more, feel free to reach out. But that's kind of where it came about. And the goal is, look, like my, my goal is genuinely like there's roughly 800 new dentists um, across Australia every year. And I want to create the program where we keep improving it that, you know, essentially everyone can sign up and they will know that by the end of that year, if their goal was to become like a great general dentist and comprehensive general dentist, no matter what clinic they're in, no matter where they are. And we've had people who've come to the program from every state in Australia now that by the end of it, they're going to be, you know, less stressed, doing better dentistry, feeling like they're on that path to really, I guess, owning and setting them up for like that excellence and so that's kind of been the goal and what we're still aiming for and still working on and yeah hoping to help more people through that I think it's wonderful and I think what I found really interesting is how you said it was kind of the the idea was conceived in like 2018 which is just a year after you first graduated whilst you were yourself a new grad and how the program was very much created by new grads for new grads in those first few years when you said you were going through the trial and error and those reiterations where you and your friends that kind of guinea pig year where you were doing those courses would you say that initially it was for your yourselves and then it evolved into something more it's a good question the iterations we thought back then was like okay can we instead of doing a 12-month program can we do a two-month program on like a small topic or three-month program obviously it's you know for people to trust us to commit to 12 months obviously that's really 
um, you know, difficult and it's a privilege that people do trust us and, and we can support them. And running education courses is kind of expensive and it's expensive for people to attend. And I kind of really appreciate that as well. And so we try and kind of make things as affordable as possible. So the iterations were trying to launch um, these smaller courses or these smaller kind of things. And it just, I think no one knew who GDR was at that point, to be honest, <laughs> even though we had good speakers and, and some of the speakers who are still with us uh, today, it was just, just not the case. And then it was just kind of from there, it was trying, we realized, okay, we need to showcase who GDR is and what our mission is and just trying to bring education. And we, we still do free, a lot of free webinars and, uh, content with adsa and whatnot and so and then after that it was just like let's just let's just let's just go for it and make it happen like again like what's the worst case the worst case is we've wasted people's time and a lot of the specialists and dentists who've made commitments to us and companies who've you know helped promise to help provide equipment and that would suck that that would really would suck because as we know relationships and, and networking and is such a big thing but we thought there's some ground to it and we thought okay we, we can we need to try and so yeah it kind of really went from not really actually running that many courses beyond just like a lecture to okay this is a 12-month program let's make it happen <laughs> And I guess back to you, what you said at the very beginning of our talk is, would you regret if you didn't give yeah, it Yeah, regret. And I think it's also the pro, like our concept of it was as an internship, anything smaller. And it's also like what we heard other people wanted. Anything that was smaller packaged, I guess, or um, however you want to call it, um, MVP models or whatever, it, it wouldn't fulfill what we were actually trying to achieve, which was like that full comprehensive pathway. and the mentoring that comes with it with that you know you're mentored for that whole year essentially and so yeah and then, and then as you say it kind of came to back to like what do you have to lose and would you regret not trying and yeah well that's wonderful Alex I know I want to wrap up the conversation because yeah, I know you've got you know, things to attend to today as well there but I feel like it kind of segues quite nicely in I guess in reflection of your time spent you know working on GDR and having met so many new grads over the years and been one yourself and gone through such an interesting journey. Thank you for sharing your story because I find it really interesting, you know, you talking about your experience through dental school and then working at the Alfred and then, you know, considering specializing. I think it's a very unique experience in that. But what would you say are common, not perhaps mistakes or pitfalls that you see new grads fall into. And I guess that's probably you know, in line with why you guys have the program and you know why you want to help people out. But what kind of things do you feel like people are perhaps lacking in? And if you could give one piece of advice to you know, every student that's about to graduate or every new grad out there, what is one piece of advice you would want them to take home with them after listening to okay. today's episode? It's a, it's a big, uh, uh, big, resp big responsibility there. <laughs> one piece of advice I think something we had in, in our um, ads talk, talk and finding a job I'll, I'll give two things one is just a repeat of what I've already said which is actually try and think of those hard questions about where you see yourself lifestyle goals and, and write it down so that would be part one of that and then the second thing is don't compare yourself to others understand that there's 
a million different pathways to success and um, depending on what those underlying values are your pathway is going to be different to someone else and so just focus more on yourself and focus more on what your goals are and focus on not taking things not 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 taking things too personally and just kind of learning through the experience. I think this is an, a wonderful sentiment to end on. And I think especially in a field where we're so highly competitive and especially with the prevalence of social media and where everyone posts you know, their highlights really, it's very easy to compare, but we're all on our own journey and everything, what's right for one person clearly isn't the same for everyone else, right? Thank you so much, Alex, for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure having yeah, absolutely. you on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player. And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.